Hey out there in podcast land, welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. Now we're in the book of Colossians. So this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae. So let's see what he had to say. Of course, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that I think give us an indication as to the purpose of this letter. Chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, New American Standard Bible. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So there's the introduction, right? Now, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That's encouragement. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeing the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So he's encouraging them, but he's reminding them what they already know and asking them to, you know, reminding them, you already know it, set your minds on things above. Now, still chapter 3, but verses 18 through 23. Wives, uh uh-oh, be subject to your husbands as this as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not become bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not antagonize your children so that they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey those who in your who are your human masters in everything, not with eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people. Verse, I mean, chapter four, verse one, and then verses five and six. Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you are also, that you also have a master in heaven. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you know how you should respond to each person. So, we see in reading this letter the the familiarness that Paul has with all of his letters, right? He starts off with the introduction of who he is, and he also is saying that Timothy is with him, and Timothy is also a part of this letter, so to speak. Um how grateful he is for them. He encourages them in Christ and reminds them of what they've been taught, right? Like a little tickler, you know this. And then he gets to the meat of the of the letter. And I find this letter interesting because he really starts addressing domestic life and then kind of societal norms and you know encourages them to rise above what they may be experiencing to continue to put Christ first 
And so we'll start with that to get their minds centered on Christ, right? He says, set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. And to me, we can only do that if we're focused on God. You know, if we stay focused on God, but how, how many of us, if we can be serious, it's, it's hard to stay focused on God. Okay. Maybe it's just me and all of you guys have kind of mastered it, but you know, when you get busy with a job, with caregiving, with parenting, with being a spouse, with starting a job, I mean, starting a business, running a business, hobbies, in my case, school, writing, an upcoming move, with all of that, Jesus can kind of fade in the background, at least with me. Not because I intentionally placed him there, but just over time, you know, it became the backburn. It became kind of like a quick prayer. and I didn't really sit down and, and read the scriptures as I had spoken about several episodes ago. And all of the things that we're doing are good and noble. And in my case, things that he has called me to do. Yet it is never his desire. And it wasn't his desire that I lose or sacrifice the relationship that I have with him to put him on the back burner. That's never his desire with any of us. Nothing is to push our relationship with our Savior, not our spouses, uh-oh, and not our children. Right? Nothing. And in my case, not even me. Because there have been times where I place myself above God. I'm an only child. I don't have any kids. and You know, I, I, I do me. But then the Holy Spirit showed me where I was doing that in love. Once again, not intentional, but the same outcome. God was kind of an afterthought at times or not, not an afterthought, but not my initial thought. And so therefore, Paul is encouraging them in verse two of chapter three to say to don't lose that, to not to lose the relationship, to remember that you're grounded in his word so that you are growing in your relationship with God. And when your relationship with God grows, your thoughts start to align with his thoughts and your mind will be remain on things that are important to him. The scripture isn't saying that all day long we're to just think Jesus, you know, like a broken record, Jesus, Jesus, that's unrealistic and kind of scary. But what it means is that as you spend time in his word, right, you learn the character of God. And then learning the character of God, your relationship with him is developed. And then the fruit of the spirit, remember those? They start to get developed in you. And as they start to develop in you, you begin to change. Your thoughts change. You know, you start walking with joy, peace, exercise, and patience. You begin to view the world through the lens of Christ. And that's what's keeping your mind on things above. You find yourself a little more compassionate, perhaps. And as I've stated before, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a number of years and you can't see growth, then you're not developing your relationship with Christ. Maybe you haven't fully surrendered to Christ, but you definitely aren't developing your relationship with Christ. Because when you develop your relationship with Christ, you don't. He doesn't leave you the same. Thinking on things above means putting God first having him the priority and then whatever he has called you to shepherd 
You know, following this subtle yet very powerful encouragement, Paul then tackles what's going on in the body. And that's in reading chapter 3 with the wives and the husbands and everything. And I have heard women get really upset about this verse. (laughs) And I actually had a guy quote this verse to me. Uh, a guy that I was dating dating now I know I shared with you that I am not married and I've never been married yeah but yet this dude thought that he could quote this scripture to me and my response to him was one we're not married two if we were married then I'd challenge you to read further down where it states that you're supposed to love me and love me with the love that Christ loved the church and so much that he gave his life up for that does that mean you're willing to die for me And he just looked at me and I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. I said, do not ever try and quote scripture to me. I'm not the one, (laughs) not the one. And so I know that may seem harsh, but millions of people do that, misquoting scripture. But you have to look at the verses before and below and then allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what that scripture means. Ridiculous. Anyway. Paul felt the need to remind them what marriage is to look like. The attitudes of the people who are in marriage, what their attitudes should be. And so if if he's writing this in this letter, then that means that mm, they didn't have clarity, perhaps. So he needed to do that. And I find it very interesting because I don't believe that there's not a word in the Bible that is there by mistake. And so Paul says that wives are to respect their husbands. Notice he didn't say love. And why do you think that is? Could it be because love is something that comes more naturally to women? You know, we're considered the nurturers. And of course, I'm speaking stereotypically. You always have your outliers out there. But love is something that women, you know, we kind of know. And we don't have a problem in displaying love and showing love. And love isn't an issue for us. But respect. To understand what respect looks like. And just as love is an actual action word, respect is as well. And so respect can come in many forms, but with you and your husband, you know, you have to know him well enough to know what respect means to him and and how you can show him respect because there are some things that are universal, but then there'll be some things that specifically he would like you to do as far as showing him respect. And so there can be a conversation that goes on with that. But to me, I know that leaving the household, I have seen couples argue and I have seen women tear their husbands down in public by saying harsh things or little snide comments or thinking that they're cute or whatnot. But I could see that it tears the husband down. Don't do that. That's not showing him respect. Now, you can behind closed doors, he may, you know, he can say something in public and you're like, where the heck did he get that opinion from? And then you wait till you get in the car and be like, yo, bruh, babe, boo, whatever you call him. Where did that come from? Because that was out in left field. That does, you know, because then you're having a discussion with just the two of you. To me, that's a, sh- a sign of showing respect. But you got to talk to him. Then Paul turns to the husbands. Husbands, he said, they're to love their wives and to not belittle them. 
Once again, I think because love is something that men understand and they have, but society teaches them to not display it. That signs of emotion are considered weak, even for their families at times. Well, this is contrary to God. Loving your wife is to consider her feelings, her needs, right? Not to belittle her or not to make her think that her contributions are less than what you do. To not bully her, but to truly see her as an equal partner in the marriage. She has an opinion. God gave her a good mind. Sit her down, find out what's going on, and together in love you decide what it is that y'all are going to do in the family. But if there is a disagreement, and you think you should go to the left, and she thinks you should go to the right, remember you both, that union of marriage represents Christ and the church. So you pray together, give it some time, you pray together. Maybe give it a couple of days and you're both praying individually, but you're necessarily, you have to pray together. And then if you are still at odds, women, you're not going to like this. Then you go with what the husband said. You submit and you show respect and you go on. And then if it doesn't work out, you say, well, I'm a kind of, I told you so kind of girl. God is working with me on that. But then you say, okay, honey, the next time. Maybe we should kind of go with what uh, I was thinking. And you go on. But you don't belittle him either. And then he speaks to the fathers not provoking their children. Which I find really interesting. Um, Because in the military, I have seen how some men treat their children. They're not your soldiers or your employees. You're not in competition with your children. (laughs) You can't provoke them and treat them that way. They're looking to you for guidance. You're not a dictator of a little, you know, a little country in your home. God has placed you there as a shepherd to nurture them, to provide instruction and encouragement so that they can leave the house and then be functioning adults. So learning how to talk to your children in love. I still think love has to be there for both the men and the women. And then Paul tackles the societal issues of slavery that was there. And we've talked about this because that was the letter in um, Philemon. That if if they are remaining as slaves, that they cannot buy their freedom for whatnot, then they're not to act out in that, so to speak. Now, we know here in America that slaveholders use that scripture to keep the slaves in line. At least they try to. But the slaves there... Nor did I think the masters um, here in America understand that slavery was something completely different during this age. And it wasn't the harsh, dehumanizing, just oppressive, evil system there that it was here. And so I can understand Paul telling the slaves, you know, work for your masters. Don't be harsh to them. You know, allow the Lord to take care of them. And, you know, you continue to trust them. But then he goes on and he doesn't leave it there. He addresses the masters too, to be just to their slaves, to be fair to their slaves. See, the slaveholders in America never talked about that aspect of it. That's why it is so important that you read the word of God for yourself so that you can see the full content. They only shared the the third chapter, verse 22. They did not go on to the fourth chapter, verse one. 
So Paul addresses all of that. And then at the end, he says, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. That's the discretion that we are to have in Christ by spending time with him, allowing his Holy Spirit to work in our hearts so that in everything that we do, we bring honor and glory to the Lord. Whether it's caregiving, whether it's being a parent, a spouse, whatever it is, we can do that to the glory of God when we learn how to keep our minds on things that above that are above. Let's pray. God, we so thank you for this word today, reminding us of who we are and the roles that we have here in life, roles that you've given us as um, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, and as employees and employers, as caregivers. We are all your people, and you have a purpose for both of us, I mean for all of us. And so I come just saying thank you. Thank you for allowing us to digest this scripture. I pray, Father, that the discussion fell on or falls on good soil, that our hearts are ready to receive that, that if there is any area in our life where we need to learn how to be more loving toward our spouse, be more respectful toward our spouse, be more respectful and loving toward our children and or how we treat people that we work with or in our communities, convict our hearts now and allow us to come to you and, and, and repent of what it is that we're doing, but to learn to make you a priority, spending time with you so that you can start aligning our thoughts with your thoughts, to look at things through your lens, Lord and allow the world to see you in us. We trust you. You are our God, and we know that you have a good plan for us. Bless everyone who listens to this podcast, Father. Help them to know that you love them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, my family, take care and go minister the the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.